Well, U.S. jobs are holding out and wages are rising in the United States. It's a similar story in Canada. You could be forgiven for asking whether the whole approach by central banks is actually working. Does that mean that they will push harder and create a deeper recession? We'll look at the market response to all of that this morning. Plus, could Europe be pushed into changing its rules on subsidies and how a low-priced cap on oil could actually push oil prices up? That's what the U.S. is worried about. And the RBA and the Bank of Canada this week. Two very different stories there. It's Monday, the 5th of December 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, shares were a little mixed on Friday at the end of the week. That was, uh, well, the whole week was pretty mixed, really. In the US, the S&P 500 and NASDAQ both fell between 0.1% and 0.2% at the end of the week. Not very much, whereas the Dow was up 0.1%. But over the week... All indices did manage a gain, 2% up for the Nasdaq. The US dollar fell a little on Friday, but over the week it lost more than 1.3% on the DXY. On Friday, well, the pound was up 0.3%. The Aussie lost 0.3%, so did the Canadian dollar. But over the week, the Aussie gained 0.6%, finishing at 67.9 US cents. The Kiwi dollar last week... It rose 2.6%, quite a difference on both sides of the Tasman. And the Japanese yen last week, 3.5% up. The euro finished the week at uh, 1.05, which is the highest it's been since July. And Treasury yields headed lower and lower last week, with 10 years finishing at 3.49%. A week uh, earlier, they were 20 basis points higher than that. In Europe, though, yields were pushing higher at the end of the week. 10-year buns up four basis points, for example. Uh, but that's 12 points lower than it was a week earlier. And oil down, WTI dipping below $80 with a 1.5% fall on Friday. The same size drop in Brent, just above $85 at the end of the week. And we've got a couple of central banks to consider this week. The RBA tomorrow... And the Bank of Canada on Thursday, one of them is at 2.85%, one at 3.75%. But whatever the rate, is it all working? Well, let's uh, ask that question of uh, NAB's Taylor Nugent in Melbourne this morning. So, uh, Taylor, I mean, the Fed has an interest rate at 4%, well above the pack. Jerome Powell has highlighted the need, you know, to tackle the tight labour market. But what's happening? Non-farm payrolls on Friday, 263,000 new jobs added, well above expectations. And, uh, you know, October numbers revised upwards as well. And average hourly earnings also on the rise. Everything Jerome Powell didn't want to see. Yeah, good good morning, Phil. Certainly that kind of tension that we're seeing between some evidence that things might be starting to shift on the the kind of forward indicators of activity, especially across that kind of manufacturing and goods side of the economy, um, as well as some indicators that some of those pricing pressures in in goods again and, and also in, in shelter in the US are starting to, to roll over on the inflation outlook. But but balanced against that is is tight labor markets and and um, a wages growth backdrop that is still challenging for the Fed as it wants to chart the path back to that two percent inflation target. And, you know, that data on Friday is certainly making the case that the labor market is is still resilient um, and you know, probably most importantly, that that wages growth um, indicator, the average hourly earnings numbers out of payrolls that had been suggesting that maybe it was it was trending lower, um, now looks like it's it's at least stable or maybe even heading higher in, in the last couple of months. So, in terms of the the details of the payrolls number, the headline number beats it at two sixty three k jobs added versus two hundred expected, um, and so a, a still strong pace of of net hiring there in November. It has kind of a little bit lower than what it was during the kind of peak of the employment recovery, but still very strong numbers. The the 221k mm. gain in the private sector was the smallest since April 2021, um, but still, yeah, very healthy numbers. Um, 
yeah, it's still led going by, up. Let's, led you know, by that leisure yeah. and hospitality sector that um, that is kind of continuing to to catch up after lagging the the broader employment recovery earlier. Um, but yeah, focus very much for the Fed, I would think, on that average hourly earnings number, which came in at 0.6% month on month versus 0.3% expected. Also had upward revisions to the previous October number. And so, you know, maybe the the number wasn't quite as strong as it, as it looked on that monthly print. It was 0.55 unrounded. It was helped a little bit by softer hours paid in, in the month of November as well. Um, but kind of smoothing through it a little bit, I think, you know, the signal here is that the three-month annualised wages growth now, when we look at the November numbers, is running at around 5.8%. Prior to revisions in October, that three-month annualised number was just 3.9%. So a, a fairly different signal on Ouch. what that wages backdrop is. Um, and, you know, a, a nominal income yeah. backdrop that's running at, at 5 to 6% um, versus something like 35 to 4% paints a, a much very different picture for... Um, you know, how much you need other things on the, the supply side response and, and other things to help the Fed getting back to target and, and nominal income growth staying around that kind of number is is not going to make the Fed comfortable that inflation will f continue to fall back, even if some some of those kind of leading indicators on some of those sectoral drivers of inflation might turn out to be helpful over 2023. So what do they do? I mean, we, the, so the dollar rose on the news um, uh, and we saw equities fall. So presumably this is, you know, an expectation that the Fed is going to have to do more. So does that mean we are back now to looking at, despite, you know, what Jerome Powell was saying middle of last week, does that mean we're back to looking at maybe a 75 basis point hike again from the FOMC? So, yeah, we saw the the kind of initial market reaction um as, as you would expect, a little bit hawkish in um, in response to that with um, yields higher kind of across the curve led, led by the two year. Um, and then that kind of ground back over over the rest of the day. But those kind of near term expectations of a, a slower pace of hikes really kind of held in there. So so 50 basis points still, you know, very much the pick at, at the December meeting in, in market pricing here. But yeah, those those kind of pricing for where rates will need to get to did jump higher. It was down around 483 prior to the um, prior to the prints, jumped up to around um, 5%, um, now back around 4.9, but still higher than it was before that that payrolls number. And just kind of, you know, that that optimism about maybe the Fed won't need to get as high as it's as it's communicating because of some of those, you know, those leading indicators on activity on inflation that I mentioned. Um, you know, emphasising that kind of it is two-sided risk around around where rates need to get to as long as that income backdrop remains very, very strong. So, I mean, there is still this expectation, isn't there, that the Fed is going to drop rates next year? You know, is, and I guess, I mean, does that mean that people are thinking, well, OK, this, you know, they're, they're going to have to go higher. There's going to be a deeper recession. It's not going to be a shallow recession. And therefore, they will reverse course quicker as a result of that. Is that where the market's sitting? I mean, because obviously the Fed is trying to fight against that. Yeah, thing. yeah. So we did see we did see um, curves flattening there as well on on Friday, and I think I mm. think that that is a likely explanation for it. That kind of the the further the Fed has to push in the near term in order to get that softening in um, in the nominal income growth backdrop. Um, and the labour market to to get inflation back down to target, then the bigger the hit to the economy and the the bigger correction further out. Um, but yeah, as as you say, Fed officials have been careful to communicate that this is could well be a, a long process, and and rates will need to to stay restrictive for some time. But yeah, certainly that kind of that five year 
um, kind of area did was um, was softer, suggesting that you know the Fed may need to to move a bit higher in the near term, but but we will be coming back once that once that disinflation is is very much in train. So it's not just the Fed. So we had Canada's employment numbers on Friday as well. Uh, after a bit of a leap forward in October, the numbers were expected to die down in November, which they did. Still. 10,000 new jobs was twice the expectations. And again, wages aren't really slowing very much, are they? And, you know, they, they are, of course, the Bank of Canada is meeting this week uh, and interest rates are already pretty high there. I mean, they were one of the first off the rank and, you know, it's it's not having the impact they'd want either. Yeah, yeah. So similar similar kind of story in Canada with that kind of wages growth backdrop still reasonably strong and, and making it a, um, challenging for the Bank of Canada as it... As it um, you know, to, gets towards the the end of its its hiking cycle, um, but yeah. So that labour market data in in Canada again painting a picture of resilient labour market. So employment growth up 10k in line with expectations, and the unemployment rate dipping to to 5.1 percent from 5.2 inverse um, expectations for a tick up to 5.3 percent. Um, and certainly nothing there to suggest that the labour market is rolling over ahead of the Bank of Canada's meeting on Wednesday. Mm. Um, the Bank of Canada has been, you know, very careful to to keep its options open. Um, so, you know, maybe the hinting towards 25 is slightly more likely at, at its its last meeting, but very much not, um, you know, nailing its colours to the mast on on where rate on the size of the increment at at this meeting um, this week on on Wednesday night. And, but again, you know, the, the expectation is, isn't it, that everyone's looking at recession because if you look at uh, 10-year yields versus two, 100 basis points between them now, this is the, the, the largest inversion since 1994 and way more than we're seeing in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it, again, it's that, that story that with central banks having to push into restricted territory, then it's the expectation that yeah. they won't be able to, to stay there um, o- over the longer term and helping um, feed into that inversion that that we're seeing and also just, you know, fears about just how much that will hit activity as it starts to flow through. Um, and, you know, again, just highlighting those those same themes that with inflation very, very elevated, there's not that much wiggle room for central banks to be focusing on activity. They need to need to get inflation down. And that's certainly the, the message from the Bank of Canada as well. Um, but yeah, as in terms of what it means for the Bank of Canada decision this week, um, analysts very much split between um, 25 and 50, um, about about 50-50 there in the in the Bloomberg survey. Market pricing is for about um, a 30% chance of a larger 50 basis point hike, and that did increase a, a little bit on the back of that kind of employment data, emphasising that that's still strong labour market no. backdrop. Well, 50 seems very unlikely from the RBA tomorrow, doesn't it? I mean, there's been uh, even you know we've even had recently some talk of a pause, but that doesn't gonna, that's not going to happen either, is it? So the the market expectation for tomorrow from the RBA is 25 basis points, isn't it? But will they also? I guess that's the question. Will something be said tomorrow to perhaps signal that there's going to be a pause at the start of next year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the RBA tomorrow, as as you say, very, very little chance of a, a step back up to, to 50 basis points with the RBA having slowed the, the pace of hikes a little a little sooner than um, most other central banks. Um, so we certainly expect 25 basis points from the RBA 
tomorrow. Um, there, so although you know, in last week we had retail sales data a little bit softer, the, that inflation number surprised surprising lower. But you know, with all the the well known caveats about that monthly inflation data, but you know, if we step back the week before that, we had the unemployment rate print at at three point four percent, back to its its forty eight year lows, and we had a, a sharper acceleration in in wages growth seen in the WPI than what the RBA was expecting in its November yeah. forecasts. And so, you know, seems, altogether seems to be a trend the around the world, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, make, makes the case the too early for a pause just yet. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, 25 basis points looks largely locked in. That's the pick of um, all but one analyst in, in the Bloomberg survey. So very much a, um, um, a, a consensus view among analysts there. Market pricing um, does allow um, a fairly meaningful risk of um, a pause at the December meeting, pricing in about 19 basis points of hikes. So, you know, um, allowing some risk of a um a pause there, um, you know, the, the RBA communication has been that, that more hikes are, are expected in um, in the period ahead. And so, you know, and given that tight labour market and, and um, accelerating wages growth backdrop, it does seem much too early for a pause at this stage. But, you know, that how they how the RBA evolves their communication in that final paragraph, certainly scope for them to equivocate a bit more on, on the likely path of interest rates going forward and open the door a bit more fully to the potential for a pause as we move through into 2023. Um, and although we do expect the RBA to kind of keep hiking with 25 basis points in both February and March, um, it, it does become a, a bit more data dependent, a bit more murky further out. And so the RBA nodding towards, you know, the decision um, becoming, a, um, you know, opening the door a bit more fully to that zero at the, at the February or March meeting, depending on the data flow since then could be possible in that final paragraph. A couple of uh, stories from Europe over the weekend. So one, Ursula von der Leyen uh, has suggested perhaps the EU will need to change its rules on state aid. They, she is not at all happy with this climate package from uh, from the United States, which basically amounts to subsidies for uh, energy providers or green suppliers like electric car manufacturers and the like, amounting to $370 billion, which she sees as being unfair competition that could drive business away from the EU. So how do they respond to that? Do they introduce or allow subsidies from the EU? How's that going to play out? Does that mean more debt issuance from the EU? I mean, it, it, does it mean that they need to negotiate a better deal between the EU and uh, and the US? So all sorts of question marks over that. That is sort of like, uh, you know, weekend news. The other weekend news was the EU has all agreed to $60, this cap on Russian oil. We were talking about it last week. Tapas was there on Friday on the podcast saying he doesn't think it's going to impact oil prices overall because Russia's already selling for less than that to, to countries in Asia. But the US is concerned because they say, ironically, if it's too low, then it's going to limit oil supplies and that is going to push prices up, strangely. But if Russia is you know selling all, more oil than it is now... Uh, you know, the question is, is it actually going to have any impact on Russia? Could, could it could actually be beneficial for Russia? There's a million more question marks over this. I mean, is it going to make any difference? And are the markets responding to it at all? Yeah, so that, that $60 price cap was was um, finally agreed. The level of that would come in at a little bit lower than the kind of $65 number that had been floated um, through most of last week. But, you know, no big surprises there. And as you say, kind of comfortably above the, the $50 or so that, that Russian Neural's crude has been trading at recently. And so in terms of that mm. price impact, not, not binding, although there is some uncertainty about... 
um, you know, what, what impact it will have. Moscow said it would rather cut production than sell to countries that adopt the cap. Um, so, you know, even including references to the cap in, in contracts and other things, even if that price isn't binding. So there is a little bit of uncertainty there about the impact it will have. But at those sorts of levels, you know, the, the broad expectation is that it should allow Russian oil to, to continue to flow. And so, um, you know, probably not not too much of an impact there, although, you know, in this environment of kind of higher uncertainty in, in the oil market, what impact those um, those new sanctions will will have, as well as the, the impact of, of China reopening. Um, we did see OPEC plus on Sunday um, leave output unchanged, kind of as expected, but um, interesting following that that large two million dollar a barrel. Um, two million barrel a day cut at its at its last gathering. They've kind of kept kept it unchanged this time, but did say that they're ready to meet at any time and could take immediate additional measures. Um, and so, you know, suggesting that they're still looking to be active in in managing prices, but you know, leaving leaving output unchanged yeah. at this yeah, point. Yeah, we should never get too optimistic if we see oil prices get too low, should we? Because we know they'll jump in. So today, uh, the ANZ job ads uh, that index is out this morning. Uh, we did see a slight fall in jobs last time, so it'll be interesting to see uh, for Australia where they go this time. Uh, retail sales for the euro area, which is expected to show quite a fall, as you might imagine. The big number probably is the ISM services number for the United States, which is still a bit above 50. So no, you know, it's not contracting, uh, although 54.4 last month, quite a bit below 69.1, which is where it was in November last year, although there's a bit of catch up in those numbers. Uh, but I mean, you'd assume You'd assume, wouldn't you? There's going to be a slowdown in these numbers. Yeah, I think I think that's right. That services ISM certainly the the um, pick of the the data calendar over the next 24 hours. So consensus is for it to to slow to a still above 50 53.5. Um, so contrasting the signal mm. from that that manufacturing side, and you know probably you know as important as that headline number is what's happening in the the prices indices in the in the series as well. So with you know, signs of, of disinflation across goods signaled through that manufacturing ISM. But, you know, Powell saying in his speech last week that it's it's core services that may be the most important category for understanding how um, core inflation evolves, um, that that prices index should be closely watched as well. So it sat at a, a very elevated 70.7 in October off its highs, but certainly, you know, contrasting quite starkly the, the signals of um, declining prices coming out of that, that manufacturing ISM. Right, I've got to go, Taylor. I've got to at least catch the second half of this uh, this sport that you've got no interest in whatsoever. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll catch you again. I think you're on once or twice before Christmas, so I'll catch you then. See you soon. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And uh, now the quickest sign-off ever. Goodbye.